been doing a series uh, that I've called Playlist, and it's just the, the meaning behind the music. And so I guess while they're finishing up the, the collection, I'll just play a game. I've got some lyrics that I found for a song, uh, and I want to read the lyrics today. And when I read these lyrics, my goal, I just want to see if someone in this room can actually guess either the artist, the song, or the meaning. I mean, any of the three. I, I, I'm looking for any of the three. So it says, I am he as you are he as you are me, and we are all together. See how they run like pigs from a gun. See how they fly. I'm crying. I love this line. Sitting on a cornflake, waiting for the van to come. Corporation, t-shirt, stupid bloody Tuesday. Man, you've been a naughty boy. You've let your face grow long. Semolina Pilchard climbing up the Eiffel Tower. Elementary penguins singing Harry Krishna. Man, you should have seen them kicking kicking Ed Ground Poe. Anybody got any guesses yet? Huh? Beatles. Who knew that? Do you know the song? We got to get we got the artist right now, okay? And then it goes on and says, I am the Eggman. They are the Eggman. I am the walrus. Goo goo gachub. Goo goo gachub. The song is I Am the Walrus by, by John Lennon. And the reason why I shared that song, I mean, I'm sure John Lennon never dreamed in a million years there'd be a Pentecostal church in Crawford, Nebraska, opened up a sermon with his song. Okay, never crossed his mind. The reason why I shared that song, we've been talking about the meaning behind the music, the story behind that song. Has anybody got any guess on what it means? That is potential. Here's the story on it. He got a letter from a kid that went to his high school. And that kid said, hey, I'm in class, and the teacher is always taking the Beatles songs and making us break them down like poems, and we've always got to come across with the meaning. And John Lennon said he was so tired of people trying to find, like, the second and third. I mean, you know how many times was Paul dead in a Beatles song? I mean, that, that was the whole point. They were trying to find meaning in all the Beatles. He said he was tired of it. So his goal, and there may have been some acid involved, well, I'm not questioning that, but was to, make, to write a song that literally meant nothing. Just to sit back and laugh as people tried to find meaning to the song that he wrote. There was no meaning whatsoever. That's what we're conditioned to sometimes when it comes to music. I can assure you, when it comes to the worship music that we're singing, we don't have to worry about whether there was a meaning behind the music. They wrote it for an intended purpose. Their goal, John said his goal was to confuse and befuddle uh, Beatles experts. That was his goal in writing the songs. The, the, the writers of the worship songs that we sing, their goal is not to set out to confuse, but their goal is to set out to enhance the encounter we have with God as we sing to him. And I've said all along that, that I believe that, that the, there's words and there's meaning behind the words that we sing. And so many times, pastor's premise has been we've come to church and we sing songs and most of us either don't know what the song is saying, we don't believe what the song is saying, but we sing it anyway because it's on the screen. It's the music makes people big liars. We sing a lot of things that we don't mean. And so we've been just taking a moment to kind of look at some of the worship songs that we sing and say, hey, what do these things mean? Like, why are we singing this? 
What are these words telling us? What are we communicating when we say these things? The whole effort, the whole point is, I want us to be worshipers who worship God in spirit and in truth. That when we're saying these things, we're, we're declaring them from within, meaning them, not just because our mouth wants to say them, because that's what the melody says, but because we understand what we're communicating and we desire to express ourselves to God. So we've looked at some songs. This morning, there was a new song. Maybe it seemed like two new songs in the worship set. But the, the last song that we sang, I'm going to see a victory, is a song that I just want to spend some time looking into this morning. Before we get to that, I want to pray. God, I thank you for all of us who are here this day. I thank you for your presence and your power. I thank you for the work that you desire to accomplish in this place. And God, I pray that nothing could interfere with your will. I pray for our hearts and our minds to be in line with you. God, I ask that for myself, Lord, my words would be your words, that you would speak to us this day the word, the promise that we need to hear. In Jesus' name, amen. We sang it, but I'm going to read the words of this song. It says, the weapon may be formed, but it won't prosper. When the darkness falls, it won't prevail. Because the God I serve knows only how to triumph. My God will never fail. I'm going to see a victory, for the battle belongs to you, Lord. There's power in the mighty name of Jesus. Every war he wages, he will win. I'm not backing down from any giant. I know how this story ends. You take what the enemy meant for evil, and you turn it for good. You turn it for good. This song is one that I'm guessing when we, when we sing this song, a lot of times we, we, we sing to God. That's what worship is about. But this is a song that sometimes... I believe that we're using to sing to ourselves. We're reminding ourselves as we sing this song. There's a lot of eyes in this song. We're declaring to ourselves. We talked last week about declaring the word of the Lord. That was the sermon last week. And in some ways, I feel like this song is, is trying to remind ourselves of what God has done so we can live with that reality in our lives, so we can have the confidence and assurance it takes. So sometimes we speak to others and edify them. I really believe this is a song that is edifying me. It's lifting me up so that I'm prepared for whatever is coming. So I'm encouraged. You know, it's the, it's the halftime pep talk. I mean, we're talking about winning right now, right? The story of victory, it's something that we love in America. We used to love it in Nebraska. <laughs> Ooh, I said that. <laughs> coming from a Bengals fan. I mean, we love the story of winning. We love to be on the winning team. You think about movies. How many movies follow the same plot? They just have different characters. Whether, whether it's Remember the Titans, whether it's Rudy or Rocky, I mean, they all have the same story. Someone who comes from circumstances where they shouldn't win and they rise above the top. Hoosiers and, and all that. I mean, it's the same story with different faces. People who are the underdogs and they shouldn't be able to succeed, but they go and they win and they get the goal that's been set before them. So I want to look at this, this, this song this morning because I believe it's one that, that speaks to our hearts. The first line says, the weapon may be formed, but it won't prosper. There's a scripture in Isaiah chapter 54 that says almost the same thing. No weapon formed against you will prevail. You will refute every tongue that accuses you. This is the heritage of the servants of the Lord. And this is their vindication, their win. 
from me, declares the Lord. Kids, what's the biggest weapon you can come up with? What's the, what's the most powerful weapon you can think of? Go ahead. Well, God is a great weapon, but now I'm talking practical here. Come on, Avery, you're taking the answer. I told you, Rosemarie, the church answer, my kids got it down. <laughs> Levi. A bomb gun. Anybody got anything more powerful than a bomb gun? Go ahead. An MK9. Okay. A rocket. Jesus. Okay, now we're going back and forth. We got the church answers. We got the good girls and the bad boys. What do you got back there? I didn't hear you. What'd you say? A missile launcher. I mean, there's some powerful weapons that have been formed. There's some powerful weapons that we formed. But the verse that we're reading and the verse that we, we just talked about was there's no weapon that was formed against us that can prosper. There was no weapon that's been forged against us that will prosper. And we think about that. And sometimes we picture missile launchers. And sometimes we picture grenades and rockets. And we think, yeah, those things will win. But the scripture says, that there's no weapon formed against us that will prevail. I want to look at a chapter in Second Chronicles, chapter 20, and tell the story of a king. And when it comes to weapons formed against us, this king, his name was Jehoshaphat. He was the king of Judah, which was one of the kingdoms of Israel when it split. And unlike some kings, he did okay. I'll give him an okay. He gets a pass on his job as king. He has some ups and downs, but he really does okay all in all. In the story of Second Chronicles, chapter 20, it starts with this place. After this, the Moabites, the Ammonites, with some of the Mayanites came to wage war against Jehoshaphat. Some people came and told Jehoshaphat, a vast army is coming against you from Edom, from the other side of the Dead Sea. Now, how many armies were coming against him? I'll read that again. The Moabites, the Ammonites, and the Mayanites. There's three armies coming against one king and one kingdom. I mean, it's so big that the people come in and they say, hey, what kind of army is it? It says a vast army is coming. That's a lot of people. That's a big army is coming at you right now, king. The king knows he's only one army. The weapon formed against him is what? Three armies. There's three armies that want to attack this king. And so, so like so many of us, we're faced with this very reality that there is a weapon that has been formed against us. Right? I mean, and so many times we don't get past the weapon that's been formed against us. We talk about the weapon. We talk about the rockets. We talk about the bombs and the grenades. And we talk about how powerful they are. But the reality was this king was facing a weapon that had been formed against him. But the song said, no weapon formed against me will prosper. No weapon formed against me will prosper. Because the God I serve knows only how to triumph. Jehoshaphat, in this moment, when his 
when his advisors, they come and say to him, hey, king, guess what? There's a vast army that, that we're facing. Jehoshaphat has a, a choice, a choice that we all have when it comes to the enemy. He had to decide what to do. I mean, he's the king. Everybody's looking at him for what's next. Like, which, which piece of the chess match do we move now? And the king, I mean, if I'm a king, I like when people like me and they think I'm powerful, so I'm probably saying, hey, let's gear up, let's go. Ain't nobody coming in my house. Nobody's going to come and, 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 and steal my thunder. We'll go down, we'll die on a sword together. I mean, that's, that's the natural reaction we have when it comes to our battles. It doesn't matter how big the weapon is. We're not worried about whether it will prosper or not, but we're going to make sure to do our part so it doesn't. You know what I'm saying? But this king has a choice in this moment. Jehoshaphat, it says, in verse 3 and 4. Now, at first it says he's alarmed. Some verses will say he's frightened, scared. I mean, who wouldn't be? Giant rocket launcher pointing at your face. He's alarmed. So Jehoshaphat resolved, and someone might need to underline that word this morning, he resolved to inquire of the Lord. To resolve, that probably means that he had to go through a couple opportunities before he got to that. But he he made a choice in that moment. He resolved that he would inquire. Some verses say that he would beg of the Lord. And he proclaimed a fast for all of Judah. The people of Judah came together to seek the Lord. Indeed, they came from every town to seek the Lord. You know, we say he's the God we serve. We say he's given us the Holy Spirit who is an advocate and counselor for his people. Yet when it comes to the battles, how many times do we run straight forward like Braveheart, war paint, ready to go? We don't resolve to seek the Lord. You know, I, I talk about we proclaim that Jesus Christ is Lord. It's, it's a part of our salvation. When someone is Lord, guess what? They get to tell you what to do. Huh? When someone's Lord, they're the one that you're supposed to seek when it goes to how you act, how you respond, how you face. Jehoshaphat said, and this is where he was the good king, he said, we know who the God we serve is. So I'm going to inquire of him. I'm not only going to inquire of him, but I'm going to declare a fast for everyone. Why? Because I'm going to see a victory. He remembers as he's talking to the people in a prayer that you can read later in that chapter, Second Chronicles verse 9, 20 verse 9, it says, If calamity, this is God's promise, if calamity comes upon us, whether the sword of judgment or plague or famine, we will stand in your presence before this temple that bears your name, and we will cry out to you in our distress, and you will hear us and save us. Jehoshaphat said, I know who I serve. And what Jehoshaphat did was he started to look at God's promise rather than the army that was surrounding him. And he says, hey, I remember that thing you promised to this kingdom. I remember you promising us these very words, that if calamity were to come upon us, whether it was sword, armies, or, or plague or famine, we will stand in your presence before this temple that bears your name. We will cry out to you in distress, and you will hear us, and you will say us. He's saying, I'm going to see a victory because, God, you told me I was going to see a victory. 
Sometimes we have to remind ourselves of God's word. He knew the promise of God. He also knew his problem. God, will you not judge them? For we have no power to face this vast army that is attacking us. We don't know what to do, but our eyes are on you. God's promise is that he's going to save them. And the king is like, yeah, I ain't no idea how you're going to do that. Because we're not strong enough, we're not powerful enough, we can't do this. How many know when you seek God, he answers? So the king said, I'm going to set out to seek God. He called a fast for all the people of Judah. The people of Judah have gathered. They're seeking God. They're fasting. They're praying, looking for what God's answer is. Yeah, they know the, the promise of God, and they know the problem that they have, but now they've got to figure out how they're going to get there. Like, what's next? They're still waiting for God's answer. There was a man in the crowd who began to prophesy to them. In verse 15, he said, Listen, King Jehoshaphat and all who live in Judah and Jerusalem, this is what the Lord says to you. Do not be afraid or discouraged because of this vast army. How many know when you're going through the battle, that's the first thing you want to hear? You shut your mouth. You don't know what the army looks like. Really, God, you're starting there. Don't be afraid or discouraged. Do you see how many men are out there surrounding us? The word of the Lord came and he said, Do not be afraid or discouraged because of this vast army. For the battle is not yours, but God's. Okay, I like that better. <laughs> Don't be afraid or discouraged. Why? Because it's not your battle to fight anyway. Don't be afraid or discouraged. Why? Because that's not your enemy. It's his enemy. Don't be afraid or discouraged. Why? Because this battle is mine. God is saying, not yours. So many times we can't let go of who the battle truly is. We think it's our fight. We think it's our battle. We're the one that's going to win this. And God said to his people, don't be afraid. You don't be discouraged because this is my battle. It is not yours. Man. Someone probably needs to say this morning, it's not my battle. Someone probably needs to hear from God today, it's not your battle, it's mine. Someone probably needs to say to yourself this morning, this is not my battle, God, but yours. Because I'm going to see a victory. Because this battle, it belongs to you. We own so many things that we don't have to own, children of God. We own so many things. We take ownership of so many things that we don't have to worry about. But we, we, we in our flesh, this me and my natural, we can't let go of it. God said to the king, don't worry about it. The battle, it's not yours. I'm, I'm going to see a victory. He says... Tomorrow, march down against them. They'll be climbing up by the pass of Ziz, and you will find them at the end of the gorge of the desert of Jerul. You will not have to fight this battle. 
take up your positions. Stand firm. See the deliverance the Lord will give you, Judah and Jerusalem. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. Go out and face them tomorrow, and the Lord will be with you. I'm going to see a victory. God looks at his people. He says, I know the army. I know how big this army is. Your job is to go to sleep. Who goes to sleep when the enemy's outside? Seriously. Like, why did he say, let's go now? I mean, he just gave that incredible pep talk. Like, someone needs to talk to God about the halftime. He's got the team right up, and then he says, I'm going to fight them. If you're not, you just stand there, you watch me, I'm going to kill them all. Sounds good. Let's roll. Now, you go home and go to sleep. You say, what? He looks at them and he says, Go home and tomorrow, don't be afraid, don't be discouraged. You will go out tomorrow to face them. And the Lord will be with you. How many know when the battle isn't won, when we expect, we struggle with tomorrow? I want to say that again. How many times have you stayed up at night worried about your battle? Because God was going to take care of it tomorrow. You couldn't sleep because the battle was yours. Not his. This king and this kingdom, they have to go to sleep. And it says that after they did that, if, if I had my, my, my Bible open to Second Chronicles, it says they gave out a great shout. That's what they did. They just gave out a great shout. And then they went home and went to sleep. And, and when you know God's plan, when you know the reality of this song, there's power in the mighty name of Jesus. And every war he wages, he will win. I'm not backing down from this giant because I know how this story ends. Boy, it makes you sleep a whole lot better when you know what's going to happen tomorrow. If you heard from God and you heard from the man of God that said, tomorrow I will deliver you, then you can sleep pretty well knowing how the story ends. There's confidence that comes when we know how the story ends. God told this king what was going to happen tomorrow. So you know what he did when he got up and got ready for battle? Come on, it's battle day. What are we doing? We're getting pumped, right? We're like punching each other in the chest and we're ruha and all that stuff that we do. We got our, our sharpening stones out. And man, we're making a, a fine blade on that sword. We're getting our arrows as sharp as they can be. The armor on the horse, man, we're getting that polished up real nice and pretty. It's battle day. You know what his people were doing? They were making a plan, but it wasn't a normal battle plan. It says in 20 and 21, they set out. Jehoshaphat stood and said, listen to me, Judah, people of Jerusalem. Have faith in the Lord your God and you will be upheld. Have faith in his prophets and you will be successful. After consulting the people. I love that. Hey, guys, where are you at right now? What do you want to do? We're going to battle. There's three armies that have formed against us. What strategy do you guys want to take? After consulting the people, Jehoshaphat appointed men to sing to the Lord and to praise him for the splendor of his holiness. And they went out at the head of the army saying, give thanks to the Lord. His love endures forever. I don't know many battle strategies that are going to say, send people ahead of you singing praise to God as you go into battle. 
But because they knew how the story ends, because they knew what God told them was coming, they said, we're just going to declare his praise all the way there. We know how this story ends so we can sing and rejoice as we're approaching the enemies. I mean, can you imagine if those armies heard this chorus singing as they were coming along? Like, what kind of insane people are coming here now? Like, they're seriously singing as they're coming into battle? Can you imagine that echoing through the mountains as these men, and are singing towards battle? What war manual is this following? It's not. But they knew how the story end so they could praise God as they were approaching their giant. That obviously alludes to David. Remember him? The guy that didn't want the armor, just wanted the sling and a stone. And he can look at Goliath and laugh because... I know how this story ends. I know how this story ends. I know how this story ends. There is no battle in your life. There is no army in your life. There is no weapon in your life. There's a scripture that I shared yesterday. It said there is nothing in all creation that can separate you from the love of God, which is found in Christ Jesus, neither death nor life nor angels or principalities. There's nothing in all creation that can separate you from the love of God that's found in Christ Jesus. I want to tell you that weapon can't separate you from his love. I want to tell you that army can't keep you from his love. I want to tell you that battle is not greater than my God because that battle is his. I know how this story ends. Man, what if you looked at your trial? What if you looked at your battle with the confidence that comes only because you've sought God and you've stood upon His promise and you've said, I know how this story ends. You want to get the enemy riled up? You want to get the enemy discouraged? You tell him, I know how this story ends. Why? Because you take what the enemy meant for evil. You take what the enemy meant for evil, and you, you, you turn it for good. Do you know what happened as they were coming along? Do you know what happened as they were singing their songs? Unbeknownst to them, because they weren't there yet, un, uh, without their knowledge, guess, guess what happens? Jump ahead to Second Chronicles chapter 20, verses 23 through 25. The Ammonites, the Moabites, rose up against the men of Mount Seir to destroy and annihilate them. After they finished slaughtering the men from Seir, they helped to destroy one another. When the men of Judah came to the place that overlooks the desert, so they were not there yet, before they could even see what God was going to do, he turned the armies against each other. These three kingdoms that had come together that were going to destroy Judah, he turned them against each other. What the enemy meant for evil. He turned it to good. Why? Because then when they got there and they stood there, they didn't even have to stand and be scared. I mean... How many times do I feel like I'm standing before Goliath, shaking in my boots on the inside, even though I know how this story ends? Then you have to see the enemy. When they came up on the mountain, they looked out, and guess what their enemy was? Their enemy was defeated. 
When they looked at their enemy, guess what their enemy was? Their enemy was defeated. Man, what if when I looked at my enemy, I saw him for who he is? The enemy's been defeated. The enemy has been defeated. The enemy has been defeated. You take what the enemy meant for evil and you turn it for good. That was Joseph's story. Joseph, you'll recall, his brother sold him into slavery. He was accused of things. He was imprisoned. He was embarrassed. He was humiliated. But he said to his brothers, hey, what you intended for evil, God used it for good. I want to tell you about a story of where the enemy intended it for evil. That's the story of Jesus Christ. The the enemy intended to destroy him. That's what the enemy intended to do through the cross. When, when, When he saw him on that cross, the enemy thought for a moment he had victory. But that wasn't how this story... Ends. You see, I know how this story ends. And what this story ends with is Jesus coming out of the grave. What this story ends with is the reality that death has been defeated. Death has been swallowed up in victory. I'm going to see a victory. Why? Because I know how this story ends. We know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love Him who have been called according to His purpose. We know how this story ends. I'm going to see a victory. I want to tell you about the blessings of that, of that kingdom. You know, when God's in it and we win, we really win. It doesn't just stop with the battle. It said that the armies of Jehoshaphat, it took them three days to gather all the plunder from all the, the army that had been defeated. The army they never had to swing a sword. The army they never had to, to shoot an arrow at. Three days to gather all that plunder. Come on. You take what the enemy meant for evil and you turn it for good. Second Timothy chapter 1, verses 9 through 10. He has saved us and called us to a holy life, not because of anything we have done, but because of his own purpose and grace. This grace was given to us in Christ Jesus before the beginning of time, but has now been revealed through the appearing of our Savior, Christ Jesus, who has destroyed death and brought life and immortality to light through the gospel. Jesus has destroyed death. He's brought life and immortality to life. I know how this story ends. We preached a funeral yesterday. At that funeral, we could talk about victory because we know how Donna's story ends. Her story ends with her in the presence of God. Her story ends in the place that God has prepared for her. I said she was victorious over death. Death did not defeat her. We are victorious. I know how this story ends. You guys can come forward. You know, this morning I want to I want to conclude with this song. This morning I, I want to conclude with this same chorus. And as we conclude with this chorus, I don't know what battle you may be facing. You know, I truly don't know what armies may have 
been surrounding you, what weapons you may have been facing, what challenges or trials you may be, be, be in the middle of. I don't know what's happening in your life. I don't know the, 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 the size of the army or the circumstance. But I hope that this morning, as we spend some time together, that you can follow the king's example and you can follow the example of Scripture and just say, hey, uh, before I get overwhelmed by this battle, I'm going to seek God. You know, today, today might just be a day where you seek God. You know, it says Jehoshaphat, he begged God for guidance. Maybe today you just need to beg God for what do I do now? Like, I need to hear your voice. He might say to you, call fast. He might say to you, pray. He might have some other whippersnapper in the crowd that's going to tell you what you need to do because you haven't heard him yet. I don't know, but we've got to beg God for guidance. You know, as you begin to beg God for guidance, I I encourage you to resonate or reflect on God's promise. What is his promise for the moment that you're in? What is his promise for the battle that you're in? Is he saying to you this day, this battle that you're facing, it's not yours, but it's mine. Because I know how this story ends. And because I know how this story ends, I'm going to see a victory. You know, this morning, I, maybe, maybe I said I don't want to make liars out of people when we sing this song. If you don't know how this story ends, if you're not sure of how this story ends, you know, we all are facing a battle. We're all facing a problem. That problem is sin. That's the reality of sin that we've all faced. Sin has come against us. It's been a battle that we've been struggling against since Adam. We know what our promise, what our problem is. We want to seek God's guidance. He says, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. I've sent my son that you might have life and have it to the full. If you confess with your mouth, Jesus Christ is Lord, believe in your heart, God raised him from the dead, you'll be saved. I want you to hear that your battle with sin is not yours, it's his. You can't work yourself to the forgiveness that's required for the sin that you've been doing. It only comes from Him. He accomplished it on the cross when He cried out, It is finished. It is accomplished. So why don't you take what the enemy meant for evil and watch it turn for good. Heavenly Father, I come to you this morning and I lift us up in this room and I, I pray for everyone. For all of us, God, that are here. I ask God that, that we can sing this declaration in in spirit and in truth. God, I pray that you would help us to be a victorious people. I pray, God, that we would be able to cry out, I know, I know, I know how this story ends. God, I pray. I pray for those in the battle. For those who might be frightened and alarmed. And God, I ask that you would begin to speak to their hearts. I pray, God, that they would press into your presence. They wouldn't come up with the solution themselves, but they would be willing to declare you as the Lord of their life and listen to the voice that you have for them in this moment.
God, I pray that we can all sing this song. In victory. In Jesus' name. You know, as they lead us in this chorus, I want to open the altar. Sometimes, Jehoshaphat had to seek others. If you want to seek someone to stand with you in your battle, I want to pray with you. If you want to seek someone out to say, hey, I want to know how this story ends, I'll pray with you or find someone else here in this room that can pray with you, that can encourage you, that can strengthen you, that can help you understand all that God has done, all His promises, so that you can declare, I know how this story ends. God, I I, I just don't want anyone to leave without being able to declare that today. Weapon may be formed, but it won't prosper. When the darkness falls, it won't prevail. Cause the God I serve knows only how to try.
today. I'm going to see a victory. Somebody needs to say, I know how this story ends. Maybe your neighbor needs to know you know how this story ends. Let them know. I know how this story ends. Amen? Amen. We thank you, God, that we are more than conquerors through Christ Jesus. Amen? Amen? The Lord bless you and keep you. May he make his face shine upon you, be gracious to you. May he turn his face towards you and grant you his peace. And may you live knowing the victory that is yours in Jesus Christ. Amen? Be blessed.